This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Jacqueline Wells, welcome to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Ski. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, thank you for calling me Ski. Very few people call me that. <laughs> I did my homework. <laughs> oh, I love a guest that does their homework. So before we get started, um, why don't you take about 60 seconds and tell us who are you and what do you do? So I am the author of three books, and uh, the last two, first was a novel. The second two are The Fearless Factor and The Fearless Factor at Work. And both of those books are geared towards getting people to understand how to overcome fear, how to step up their confidence, develop their credibility, and really move themselves forward into a much better space than they might currently be in. And the second book, The Fearless Factor at Work, which came out last year, is geared towards people in the workplace uh, who are perhaps thinking about needing to make some changes. They want to have some kind of, uh, you know, promotions or whatever the case may be. But primarily it's about how do you develop your self-awareness? How do you develop your communication skills? How do you, how do you get past the fears that are basically your, you know, inability to take the next step? So I'm all about helping people understand what they can do and how to do that. And I ask a lot of questions. And I've been doing this work for about, 15 years now uh, through coaching clients, through retreats, masterminds, and various other modalities that help people make more impact in their career and in their life in general. And that's kind of, you know, the career piece in a nutshell. Man, fear. We are, a lot of people are dealing with fear. We have COVID, which started in early 2020. And now here in Texas, we had a winter storm this week. And there's, of course, it's you know, uh, weather conditions throughout the entire United States. Then you have COVID, then we have the vaccine. Is it going to get better? Is it not going to get better? I've lost my job. There's a lot of fear going on in the world right now. Yeah, and, and that that's definitely, you know, a lot of it is valid, um, but there's a lot of projection out into the future because most of what people's fears are is not about what's happening right now, but what's happening in the future. And uh, I think a lot of it is, you know, I like to say we make stuff up in order to put labels on our uncertainty. And fear is an emotion. We know this. And so, you know, how do we control other emotions in our life? You know, if you're worried about something, you know, can you do something to alleviate that worry? Um, is there any way that you can adjust your thinking around the worries uh, and the fears that are going on? And that's a big piece of it is when we adjust our thinking, we adjust our behavior. And that, of course, you know, gives us a different outcome, if you like. But I like to say primarily fear is imagination based. And as I said, it's about, you know, projecting out into the future, the worst case scenarios, uh, instead of looking at the present and saying, okay, what evidence do I have for this fear? Um, and I know that, you know, right now with, with the pandemic and the possibilities of, of, you know, your health suffering as a result of getting out in the world, you take precautions. You know, it's like you, if I understand in certain circumstances, you got to be out in the world. You got to be doing whatever you're going to be doing. Um, so it's a risk. I get that. But for the average person, they're at home right now and they have choices. And that's always what it's going to come down to. And, you know, I feel very strongly about, you know, the fear piece for me is very much uh, a mindset issue. And how do we adjust that mindset? And of course, that's what my work is all about is helping people see past 
frankly, the BS that, that they get involved in. But I'm not undermining by any stretch of the imagination what's going on right now because it's going on too long and it's it's really starting to get to people in a significant way. Mm. I read the, a statistic or heard a statistic a number of years ago, and maybe you know the answer to this, that most of what we fear doesn't ever come to fruition. Uh, do you know what that statistic is? Uh, I'm not sure what the statistic is, but I, I believe in that fact. Um, most of what we fear does not come to, to, to being, which again speaks to my point about fear is imagination-based. We make stuff up. We make stuff up about the possibilities for the future. Now, if we want to think about making stuff up on the negative side of things, what would it look like if you made stuff up on the positive side of things? You know, knowing that this too shall pass because it will. And no doubt the world will be a slightly different dif- different place than what it is right now. There's no question that a lot of jobs I heard on CNN this morning, a lot of jobs are not coming back. So people are going to have to reinvent and, and really take that next step. Because here's what I say about being fearless. It's the courage to take the next step. And that's really all it is about being fearless. And then take the next step and then take the next step. And that's, you know, pushing yourself past your your discomfort. And part of the change process is about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And we are definitely in an uncomfortable phase of our existence, both here in the United States and globally. So there's a lot of adjustments being asked of us. And when people are in a status quo state of mind, or they're very invested in feeling secure, which frankly is probably the majority of the population, nobody likes change. And yet it's the only thing we can guarantee that things will change. Uh, But from that point of view, it's sometimes very, very hard to see beyond the, you know, what did I have? Now I don't have it. And there's nothing in front of me, which, you know, is not true. It's just simply about your willingness to stretch, your willingness to grow, and your willingness to take more risk in your life. And, And what I like to say about risk is I have an acronym that says respect your intention and show courage. So again, that be fearless piece shows up with the courage. Steve Harvey, the host of Family Feud, has one of my favorite quotes. He says, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable if you ever want to be successful. And to your point, my wife lost her job. She was in the travel industry in March of 2020 because you can't book cruises. You you know, vacations are pretty much non-existent at this point, although uh, Disney World and Universal is open in Florida. But, you know, you could either sit here and go, well, I hope it comes back. Uh, you know, hope is not a strategy. And I think what you need to do is what you said. You need to say, okay, uh, this probably isn't going to come back. What am I going to do now? And I think I love what you said, you know, about fearlessness is just the courage to take the next step. We're not talking about taking the 20th step or the hundred step. We're talking about that next step. And, and listener, if you're listening to this conversation and you're like, man, I I'm, I, I'm hearing myself right now. Well, what is that next step that you need to take today? What is something you do? Maybe it's research. Maybe you have to send an email to someone. Maybe you have to call someone, but don't just sit here and watch the news and allow more and more fear to be piled up inside your, your conscious and unconscious mind. Go take that next step and and watch your journey begin to flourish. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. And, and I think, you know, we all have talents of 
some kind or another. And frequently when we get into that hole of feeling stuck, of feeling like there's no options, uh, you overlook the fact that, you know, sit down and, and make a list of all the things you're really good at. Make a list of all the things that, that you would like to be better at, because this is a great opportunity right now for so many people to just dig in and do some study, you know, do some real deep self-reflection. And, and I hear all the time, especially when I talk to executives, I don't have time for a real reflection. Well, if you don't have time for reflection, how are you going to grow? Because if you can't turn the mirror and look at yourself and really look at yourself in detail and not shy away from it, uh, it's really quite remarkable what you'll come up with. And you'll discover things about yourself that maybe you'd overlooked. Um, and then the other way, of course, is to, you know, reach out and ask five friends to send you an adjective on how they see you, what they think of you, because that in itself will give you a little bit of a mirror on, again, how am I showing up in the world? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Get a pro program in, in, in view for yourself about how to really articulate that, because that will help you with reinvention. And as someone who's reinvented herself many times in her lifetime, um, I will tell you, it's not an easy task in many ways. But once you, you do grab hold of these things, it's amazing what opportunities will open up for you because you can see further, you can see wider, and you can certainly give yourself an opportunity to be more than you think you are at this current time. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Stucheski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. You know, you mentioned getting better, and I remember when I came to the realization that a lot of the most successful people in our world today are avid readers, they're avid learners, they're students first, and then the people who don't take time to read, who don't want to improve themselves, well, they're struggling to make ends meet, they're struggling to pay their mortgage, they're struggling to make their car payments, and I thought that was very interesting, so I'm like, okay, if Mark Cuban, a billionaire, makes it a priority to read, if Warren Buffett, a billionaire, makes it a priority to read. Elon Musk makes a priority to read. I'm like, there must be something there. So I believe in not reinventing the wheel. So what I do is I make sure I read an hour, if not more, every single day because I want to become better tomorrow than it was today. And the day after that will be become better. And I think people, they, they go, oh, I don't have time for personal development. I don't have time to read. Your future is depending on it. Sounds like you and I agree with that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm well known. If we were on video, um, you know, people look behind me and all they see is bookshelves. And, uh, you know, that's that's me. I mean, I, I traveled the world and I used to bring my library with me. I had thousands of books until finally one day I decided that traveling around with thousands of books is really, really uncomfortable. And this is global. This is not just across the country. I've traveled globally. Uh, so I had to kind of cull the, the, the collections. But books have always been really, really important to me. And to your point, um, I grew up in a family where there wasn't very many books, but yet I had a love of the dictionary. I had a love for, for finding books one way or another. And because I grew up in a poor household, uh, sometimes the, the books were purloined, shall we say. Uh, but it 
it was always about finding books and, and keeping books in my life. And, and I can't imagine a life without learning. I mean, I am a lifelong learner, just like you. And I think that's what separates people out in, in effect. We talk about, you know, the mindset issues of the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And the fixed mindset has an attitude of, well, I know what I know and it is what it is. And, and so we just kind of get along with that. But the growth mindset is very much about, you know, I know what I know. I also know there's a lot I don't know, and there's a lot that I want to discover. And so with that in mind, uh, I need to go find it. And uh, there are so many subject matters out there. I wish I had more hours in the day, frankly. Uh, I love to watch documentaries because it's it's another way of getting informed, uh, you know, without having to sit down and read a book. But there is a piece there about, you know, there's always going to be a book in, in my hand one way or another. I raised my kids that way, too. Their punishment when they were kids was, we're taking your books away. And that oh. for them was like, it's you know, we can't take my books away, you know. So, you know, if you're not raising a family with with that kind of a background, and that's a challenge for a lot of people, you know, they, they don't have the book background. And I certainly didn't. But because of my own passion, because of my own desire to break out of my my background, basically, um, the learning piece became a real key issue. And if you told me, you know, however many decades ago that I would be sitting here talking to you today with the expertise that I've got today, uh, I would have said, yeah, right, you know, dream on. But here we are, one step at a time. Take the next step. I'm 55 years young, and I have gone from print books, because I grew up with print books, to ebooks. But now I've come back to print books. To me, the, yeah, they're bigger, they're bulkier, but to me, there's nothing better than reading a print book. So if you had a choice between a print book and an ebook, would you choose the print or the ebook? I, I actually uh, would choose the print book, and I'll tell you why. I like digital books. I, I certainly read digitally, but I also like to keep a yellow marker in my hand when I'm reading nonfiction books, usually business-oriented or leadership-oriented or something along, along the lines of what I'm passionate about, what I'm invested in. Uh, and I, so I keep a, a yellow marker, and I love to highlight phrases and sentences and sections that just for me, you know, kind of open my brain up to, to some other new ideas. Uh, I'm not one for writing a lot of notes in the margins, but uh, I do retain better that way also, you know. Uh, and I also find it's easier to find things when you open up a, a pop proper paper book. Uh, you know, you're looking for a piece of information. Digital's a pain, frankly, uh, unless you've, you've got all your notes and your bookmarks, which, again, doesn't always happen. So, uh, yeah, I, I will go for the paper every time. And I agree with you because I have a, a really large collection of digitals uh, on my Kindle and, and so forth. But uh, I'm buying more paperbacks these days. And uh, I think it's for that reason. And I love having it around me. I mean, it's there's something warm and nurturing about having bookshelves full of books. <laughs> Absolutely. Weird, but there it is. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of weird, I got a really weird question for you. Are you a book smeller? Uh, no. 
Oh, oh my goodness. I, every time I pick my book to read, whether it's a new book or an old book, I read it. I get a brand new book in the mail. I smell it. I see. I think that goes back to the day you and I are old enough to remember. We used to go back to the, go to the library and there's a card catalog. There was no computers. Yes. So you had to go to the card catalog and then you go roaming through the aisles looking for the right, um, the right code where the book was. And there's just a smell of a library, even a new library with all the books. So I'm always smelling my books. Yeah, and I can, I can, I can definitely get that. And as you speak, I'm, my memory goes right back to you know I was I did my college degree in London, and I used to go to the University of London, uh, what they called the Stacks, which was where they had all the the older books. Uh, I studied history, so you know, getting lost in the Stacks and these narrow corridors, which you know had very little, um, you know, real light. There was no. Uh, natural light uh, and just being immersed in that whole sensation of being surrounded by knowledge. Uh, that for me is a, is a profound experience when you think about that, being surrounded by knowledge when you go into a library uh, and you can really immerse yourself in the books. I mean, it's, it's very hard for me when I go to a library not to come home with six books and, and know that I, I don't have time to read them all. <laughs> Yes, uh, I'm with you there. And I, I'm getting this debate with people about print versus ebook. And they go, well, you can put like a billion books on a Kindle. And I'm like, you know, are you really ever going to read those books? Now, when an author will send me, like I have a lot of authors on my on my show, as, as you are, they'll send me a copy of their book. And they say, well, I'll send you the ebook. I said, I won't read it. I'm just being honest with you. I will not read the ebook because I only read like two or three books at a time. And I like having the physical book, but I haven't read an ebook. I bet in probably a year and a half, two years, it's just, it doesn't draw me into it. I rather have a print book and plus a print book can go out in my backyard and I don't have to worry about anything popping up. Yeah. I know the Kindle doesn't have all this stuff on there, but for me, I, I just think it's funny how I've gone from print to e back to print. And I'm only 55 years young, but I love a print book. I love going to libraries. I love going to bookstores, especially the older bookstores that are like, there's books, books, books everywhere. That's, that's just, I could spend so much money in those bookstores. Oh yeah. I, I've been there and done that. In fact, again, going back to my kids, uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, we used to drop the kids off at, at a Borders bookstore and the movie theater was right next door. And I knew that if I left my kids at the bookstore two hours later, they'd still be there <laughs> reading books. <laughs> so we did. We left, we went to the movies and they went to the bookstore. <laughs> So what are some of the books that you've read either recently or in the last, you know, 10, 20 years, whatever, that really, really affected you uh, emotionally, spiritually, your, your journey or whatever. Share a couple of those books with us. Oh boy. Um, I know I'm asking you to choose like a couple of them and you probably got a hundred of them. Yeah. Um, the first one that comes to mind is called an everyone culture and it's by uh, Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy. And what they talk about in that book is how do we create more collaborative, candid, open organizations that really do honor and respect the individual, that are very clear in the understanding of the culture of the organization, and how we can achieve that. And they gave three specific uh, companies that, that were uh, doing it. Now, you've heard of uh, Ray Dalio's principles. I'm pretty sure you've, you've maybe looked at them. 
But Ray Dalio's principles laid out was, was Ray Dalio's company, Bridgewater, I think it's called, was one of the companies that was named in this book in Everyone Culture. Now, these are two Harvard um, uh, organizational development psychologists, uh, you know, somewhere along those lines. But um, Bridgewater definitely embodied a lot of this. And Dalio's principles book came out of that which is, you know, here's the ideas for, you know, how we behave at work, how, how we treat each other and, and how we live our life. And there's some really, really profound things in there that I absolutely recommend everybody go find Dalio's principles and study it and think about how are you living your life? How is your organization honoring you as an individual? How much psychological safety is there in your workplace that allows you and gives you permission to share ideas and to perhaps challenge ideas? Because that was another big piece of, of the everyone culture, that people are allowed to challenge ideas. Um, and come up with some new ones. You can't just say, well, that doesn't work. You've got to be able to come up with something that, that again, would open people's minds, keep people growing and so forth. Uh, I've been doing behavioral work for, for quite a few years now. I do behavioral assessments. And what we do with that is a 360 uh, assessment. And what I can do is I can pinpoint what kind of behaviors are working in your favor and which ones are not. And when we look at the ones that are not, and you look at the culture of the organization, they're pretty much following a script, which is keep your head down, don't, don't you know, challenge the authority, uh, and win at all costs, you know. So that creates for a dysfunctional company. Unfortunately, too many of them are that way inclined. Uh, so that's one book that I really do. In fact, there's two books I just recommended, those two books right there. Um, there are so many great books on my shelf uh, that, you know, I, I could probably spend all day if I turn around here and look <laughs> at my shelf to remind myself about what they are. But that's what came to mind. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the link. Well, you know, at the end of the show, I'm going to ask you where we can go find out more about you. So if people really want to know what's on your bookshelf, they can reach out to you and ask you what's on your bookshelf. Yes. Um, so fast, fast, absolutely fascinating. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, you gave us a lot to think about on the show today. I mean, we have just, it's like listen, listening to you talk is like drinking from fire hose. You gave us so much valuable information about, you know, the fear. I really love the fearless uh, fact that you talked about because so many people are in fear right now. And, and I, I agree with you. I believe it. It's just, you know, fearlessness is about taking the, is the courage to take the next step. And I, I, what I want the listener to walk away with is, listen, what is that next step? I, I deal with this all the time with my clients. They're always worrying about, okay, what happens next? No, let's do the next step first because you haven't done that. So if you haven't done step one, step two is irrelevant. And I think so many people are getting so far ahead of themselves. So uh, that's what I got out of it. And of course, we talked about our love for books and stuff like that. So before we wrap up, I do this fun thing, which my audience really likes. It's called Mic Swap. And what I do is I allow you to be the temporary host of the Mark Struchowski podcast. And you can ask me one or two questions of your choice. It, you can be about books. It can be about productivity. Um, don't ask me credit card or social security numbers, but it's just a night. It's a way to keep me, as Stephen Covey says, to keep the, the, the saw sharpened because I have no idea what you're going to ask me. So take it away, Jacqueline. 
So I know you're the productivity expert, and I also know that productivity is something that people always want more of. What do you think is the biggest challenge for people in really truly being productive in their lives? Themselves. People get in their own way. When I, the, that's the number one thing I deal with my clients. They, they put all these excuses or these reasonings that they say, but I'm like, you're getting in your own way. You are blocking your own productivity. And I think if anyone listens to this episode and really stops and thinks, okay, is it my boss's fault? Is it my spouse's fault? Is it the, the government's fault? Or is it really me? And if you really stop and think about it, more often than not, you are the reason why you're not being a more productive member of society because we try to rationalize in our head that someone else's fault, but you got to practice adulting. You got to take responsibility. And most people will agree. And even for me, it applies to me too. I get in my own way sometimes. So that was my answer. Well, I think that's, that's the, for me, that's the right answer too. I mean, I consider myself an incredibly productive individual, but a lot of it has to do with having the discipline to show up and, and get past the stuff that you don't like to do. Uh, so that the second question for you is, you know, given that you've got the drive, given that you can show up and you can be productive, what uh, specifically would you recommend for people to keep themselves organized and uh, on track with with what they need to be doing. Well, obviously, for me, I would say you need to invest in me, especially my digital productivity coaching program. But for free, what I would tell you to do is make sure that you're being very intentional with how you're spending your time. Most people don't take the time to write their plan down on paper or even in the app. They just keep everything in their head. And that's the dangerous thing to do is keep everything in your head because then you start rationalizing. Like I just said, you start rationalizing. Everything's fine. You're not really spending that much time on, on social media. You're not spending that much time watching TV. But if you start tracking where your time is going, it really opens your eyes. And, I, and one of the first exercises I get my clients is I want you to track your time for three to five days. And I, I don't want you to go back on memory. I mean, as you're actually doing the activity, you write down, I'm on Instagram, started at one o'clock, ended at six o'clock. Because if you don't write that time down, you're not going to say, oh, I didn't spend five hours on Instagram when you actually did. So I always tell people, if you want to know the truth of where your time's going, actually carry a little notebook around with you like those old uh, detective shows used to do and write down everything you do and how long you spent doing it. This will blow your mind because it will tell you the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah, it, it is quite remarkable because our mind is is uh, always attempting to rationalize. However, we, yep. we manage to spend our time and what we're actually getting done. And I know there are some days for me where I just kind of frankly, piss away the day. But, yep. uh, you know, that's okay. That's kind of like you're allowed because on other days you're on track and you, you that, stay focused. And that's, that's, that's a, a very piece. good point. Yeah. If you have a bad day, it's okay. The problem is when you have two, three, four, five days in a row, and then you get a problem. But there's days that like, like a couple days ago here in Houston, you know, we didn't have power for 15 hours. I had no internet. I, there's nothing I could do. So I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of sketching for my upcoming uh, challenge I'm going to be doing. But, you know, you got to deal with the cards that are dealt you. You have no power, or no internet. Or if you're ill, you know, God forbid you got COVID or something like that. Listen, okay, so today's not a good day and you're sick. You, uh, the next week's not good. Or for, 
You get an accident, you break your leg. Okay, well, you know, there's certain things you can't do. Don't get down on yourself to say, hey, this is the, this is what I'm going through right now. I'll rebound. Um, so I, I think people are getting too hard on themselves, and I think we just need to take a uh, relax, and we'll be okay. Well, that brings up the subject for me. It's another conversation, but self-compassion is one of the things that I teach people. Uh, you know, how do you have self-compassion? Uh, it's easy to have compassion for others, but giving yourself the break and knowing, you know, I, I deal a lot with perfectionists because high achievers generally are very perfectionistic. Uh, and so high standards for themselves. And if they don't meet them, uh, they can really come down hard on themselves. I call it the two by four syndrome. You know, it's like slamming yourself up the side of the head with a piece of two by four. Uh, so learning how to have self-compassion for the days when you're not completely on your game um, is a good thing. And the more you do that, the gentler and kinder you will be to yourself. I love that. Well, the final question I have for you is where can we go find out more about you and what you're all about and what you're up to in the world? Well, you can find me at thefearlessfactoratwork.com. And there's a lot on there. There's some programs. There's some resources. And if you feel a need, reach out to me. If you want to have a longer conversation about how I can help, be happy to do that. And you can do all of that through my website. Excellent. Jacqueline, thank you so much for being on the show. It was an absolute delight learning from you today. Thank you, Ski. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.